welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, where we chat to people making a difference in their communities and in the lives of others. And here is your host for today, Jeff Griffin. Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, stories of inspiring achievements and community contribution. Every week, we will celebrate an award program category winner or finalist. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know that Australia is in good hands. Together with our corporate partners and not-for-profit partners, Awards Australia showcase ordinary people from right across Australia doing extraordinary things. If you enjoy hearing the stories of our inspirational Australians, please subscribe, rate us and review us. We'd really appreciate it. Our Inspirational Australian podcast guest today epitomises the word inspiration. His ultimate aim is to pursue a combined clinical, academic and teaching career as a cardiologist and general physician in regional Australia. Dr Anosh Sivashan Mugaraja won the 2019 New South Wales ACT 7 News Young Achiever of the Year Award for his academic excellence in the field of medicine and his tireless contribution to the community. Anosh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jeff, for having me on this podcast. I'm, I'm delighted to share my story with you all. Mate, you're a superstar. I remember back in 2019 how worthy you were and are, of course, and how everybody in the audience uh, stood and applauded your extraordinary commitment, not just your talent, but your commitment to medicine. So thank you on behalf of all of those that you've treated and will treat, of course, in the future. I'm super excited to talk with you today and to learn a bit more about your amazing career because you've already pushed the limits of what one human can achieve in such a short period of time. And I know you work super hard now at uh, Dubbo Hospital. What's... um, What's your average shift? What, what's the shift span that you would work in a normal day? Yeah, so at the moment, uh, Jeff, uh, I'm working in ICU at Dubbo Base Hospital uh, and we have a week-on-week-off system. The, the shift's rostered from 8am to 8.30pm, but in essence, we're sort of there half an hour early at 7.30am and then by the time we clock off home, uh, we're done around sort of 10pm 10, 10 or so. And you do that seven days in a row. But the, um, the icing on the cake is when you get seven days off, um, which you do need for rest and recuperation. But, uh, yes, it is very full on um, whilst you're there, especially with the current COVID-19 pandemic. Um, it is obviously very um, draining both physically and emotionally, but it is nice to know that you are able to, I guess, improve um, people's situations from requiring intensive level care to ward level care um, and ultimately getting them home. Um, so that's me at the moment. Prior to that, I was... Um, in the ward where you're sort of working five days um, a week and you get one in every three or four weekends as well. Um, and the shift times there are normally around 8 a.m. all the way till 5.30 p.m. Um, but every so often you do have patients who unfortunately deteriorate or crash that do require your attention and it's obviously um, guaranteed that we stay back and make sure that patients are, you know, optimised to the best of our ability before we hand over to our colleagues in the evening and nights. Definitely not one of those jobs that you can say, oh, it's five o'clock, I'm going home, I'll fix that tomorrow. 
definitely not one of those jobs. That's right. Yeah, I, I talk to my friends who are doing accounting at the moment, and uh, we talk about the fact that at five pm you can clock off and you'll have your you know paperwork and emails still waiting at your desk for you to revisit tomorrow. But unfortunately, if we have the same attitude towards patients who are crashing and deteriorating at five pm, we may not see them if we don't stabilize them in a timely um, manner. So it is very different, um, and I guess that's the landscape that we chose to work in. But it's very enjoyable and um, um, forgiving. Very rewarding, I'm sure. There must be times when it's emotionally very, very stressful and draining when you lose a patient or they're on the brink and, you know, it must be frustrating and, and taxing on you emotionally. Oh, 100%, Jeff. Um, I had similar experiences um, recently in the intensive care unit at Dubbo Base Hospital where I was looking after very sick uh, and frail COVID-19 patients who required intubation and ventilation. And at times you're working very effectively in a multidisciplinary team of doctors, nurses, allied health staff, and you try your very best day in, day out, every hour, so every hour, every minute. But sometimes, unfortunately, despite the best of efforts in optimal medical therapy, patients um, deteriorate for one or more reasons, including frailty, their comorbid state, um, as well as them not just able to respond to optimal therapy. And it is very emotionally draining because you do put a lot of effort into every single person who's there to try and get them back to a reasonable quality of life that they were having before they obviously got sick. Um, and it is very taxing and draining. But I think the way we try and get around that is by, I guess, working hard and working well in a team and making sure that we do look out for each other, that we do talk about the times where we do feel a bit down or do need a bit of help because at the end of the day as much as we are all healthcare professionals we're also all humans and we're prone to obviously getting emotionally vulnerable at times as well um, but it's important because obviously um, even though unfortunately one person might pass away we need to um, move on in a relatively quick fashion to try and look forward to making sure that the next person obviously can do better and um, I guess in a way um, it is tough, but it is something that we do have to um, get used to. And I think the, the best way is to work together and, and share good memories of our times together, looking after patients, and then also reflect on communicating that daily with families and keeping them in the loop and up to date with closed-loop communication is what I found to be effective. Yeah, it's such a responsible job. And a big shout-out to all our superheroes in the medical field. You do an amazing job. And I know COVID's just added another level of stress and uh, heartache and huge amount of work to an already taxing role. So big shout out to everybody in the medical field. You are all amazing and we're so appreciative. Well, and Ash, in addition to winning the Young Achiever of the Year, you also won the Western Sydney University Academic Achievement Award for reasons that are obvious to all of us I think looking back when uh, did your dream to become a physician start yeah it's a it's a good question um, I initially was very interested in in mathematics um, and physics my dad was an engineer and he wanted me to do um, engineering because he obviously um, loved that role and I remember I went for work experience briefly um, and didn't like it at all because it was very static for me and I was someone who liked moving around like dynamic environments and challenges. Um, and it was only then I spoke to my career advisor at um, high school and he said, look, why don't you give the hospital um, you know, a, a good go in terms of work experience? And that's when I went 
um, to uh, Westmead Hospital and actually did some work experience. Um, and that's when I was like, you know what, this is something I could actually foresee myself doing. And that was when I was like, well, I need to get my skaters on to try and make sure that I can get on into the program. As you know, um, it's it's a very competitive field. So that was probably when the, the dream started. But it wasn't really until I started actually started university at James Cook University where I realized that this is something that I really did enjoy um, for all its sort of glory and passion um, in terms of being able to help and just make people's lives better, transforming them from extremists when they present to getting them out, you know, into a reasonable quality of life with their family and friends. And I think that's something that's kept me going. Um, you know, it's crazy to think that I finished six years of medical school and now it's my sixth year of working since graduating. Um, but I'm glad to say that that it is definitely what I um, perceive myself doing. You said you do, you do um, work experience at the, at Westmead. I guess it wasn't like, you know, just uh, doing photocopying and, uh, you know, and running a few errands. What type of work experience did you actually do? Yeah, that's right, Jeff. Uh, so, yeah, with regards to work experience, they were actually um, good programs organised by the, the team there at Westmead Hospital at the time where they allocated us to um, follow volunteers who were there, for example, in age prevention and falls so that we get a, a bit of an idea about um, geriatric medicine um, and programs in place to try and minimise falls, morbidity and mortality in that area. Um, I also was able to go around with the um, phlebotomists who taught me how to take bloods, put in cannulas. Um, so you get a good insight into practical procedures. And they also organized for me to join uh, medical teams as well whilst they were on their ward rounds um, in the mornings or in the afternoons to just get a glimpse of what a ward round looked like and what that entailed and all the and appreciate all the roles of, of different members of the medical team. Um, and finally, they also linked me up with the allied health teams as well on different days of the week for two weeks. Um, so that included physiotherapists, occupational therapists, social workers, speech pathologists, just so that I get an idea of what each person's role is to better understand for myself how the multidisciplinary team falls in. I think that really was a great experience and an eye-opening one for me that basically showed what, I guess, a doctor does and how it plays an important part, just like everyone else's part in the massive jigsaw puzzle of a hospital setting. So I think that was a great experience where I not only had exposure um, to learning about programs, um, like the false prevention program, for example, but also practical procedures, as well as um, following different healthcare staff. So I think that was very rewarding and obviously, um, you know, reinforced, I guess, my passion to pursue medicine, uh, I guess, even, even then. That's brilliant. Uh, that's shout out Westmead because that's um, that's fantastic mentoring that you're able to follow. Also, a really good and broad cross section of understanding what the hospital system is about. If you want to become a doctor, or I guess even a nurse in a way, but still, it'd be very enlightening. So, shout out Westmead. Good stuff. After finishing secondary school, you completed uh, medical school at schooling at James Cook University, I believe, in Townsville with an ac academic medal. So that's pretty cool. Ducks of Surgery and the Australian and New Zealand College of Anesthetists Prize. Can you tell us about your time there? What were the highlights? Yeah, I think James Cook University in Townsville was was the, um, the gearbox for me in terms of my change. Prior to that, I was someone who was probably not the best in terms of um, my study routine and motivation and desire. But I think as I was alluding to before, Jeff, 
um, that was sort of the catapult for my uh, motivation. It was in Townsville for the six years where three years were preclinical and four, year four, five, and six were sort of clinical. So where you were immersed in the hospital environment. Um, and I think that some of the highlights from my time there was that you got to do roughly six months solely of rural medical practice um, in the whole six years of the course, um, in addition to placements every single year, right from year one. And that was great because um, it's only in those environments you realise the gaps in medicine, you realise the, the lack of resources, the issues with regards to access to healthcare, socioeconomic status, and really think about the broad aspect of medicine, not just encompassing you know city life, but also all the geographical boundaries that come with rural and regional medicine. And you also get to immerse yourself a lot earlier than you would um, than in a city because there's just generally not as much staff and you obviously expect it to step up um, a notch. So that was really um, very useful, I think, throughout my time in JCU to, I guess, to get me where I am right now. One of the other um, uh, aspects of James Cook University was uh, MedReview. Um, that I fondly remember. Um, and and basically that's a, a production where they parody um, lecturers, the course, um, and other funny moments in the in the um, the medical uh, curriculum itself every year. Um, and and I, I was um, involved in it for for all the six years whilst I was there. And I, I think for me, I quite enjoyed it because prior to starting university, I was also engaged in a lot of speech and drama and enjoyed acting. And I think that was very nice to sort of, continue on and, and do that. And I, it, at the end of the day, it was also for a good cause where we donated all the funds that came through to charities ch- such as the Hamlin Fistula Clinic in Ethiopia um, and other clinics um, and fundraising organisations um, within North Queensland and Queensland for that matter. And I guess the other the other highlight from James Cook University is that I still continue to go back every year um, and give talks to the final year medical students on um, how to be a better intern, internship tips and tricks. And I've actually got one planned um, this coming Wednesday where I'll be talking to the final years again. And I've been doing that for every single year since I've graduated. So it's nice to stay in touch the, with the school that got me to where, where I am at the moment. Um, and I can't speak too highly of it. Fantastic. You are a man of many talents, clearly, <laughs> with your drama. Was there a, um, a drama that you performed that uh, stood out for you as a highlight? Yeah, actually, on the spot. <laughs> I guess there were several, but I, I think when I was the lion in the lion, the witch in the wardrobe, I think that would be my favourite, probably followed by Smee and Peter Pan um, in, in, in theatre the, theater productions. But, uh, yeah, they were probably my fond memories um, just before high school, just before university started. Um, but I guess close by, even though you've asked me for one, Jeff, I also have to say my time at NIDA um, when I did some short course productions that was also up there with, with some exciting times. I would say you must be uh, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> you ever uh, wear out from being a doctor, <laughs> you can turn into acting. Uh, yeah, I, I do love it. And it's, it's interesting because a lot of, um, not that you obviously act as a doctor per se, but a lot of the skills <laughs> that you acquire um, in speech and drama, acting, you know, the importance of nonverbal communication, the importance of, improvisation, understanding your room, observing, all those things come in very, very handy um, inherently when you're a doctor as well. So I think it's definitely helped me along the way. Is that like, for example, when you tell a patient they're fine with a big frown on your face and a furrowed (laughs) eye? (laughs) 
No, so I, that's I, where the acting comes. I, I, wish I can do that, but having said that, um, I, I do like to employ a lot of humour in my time uh, as a, as a doctor itself, especially obviously in in you know warranted scenarios, and I wouldn't be obviously doing it in very serious critical scenarios. But um, I find that that bodes well for the patient doctor interaction, builds that rapport, and I try and sort of you know dampen down the the seriousness of the situation with humour when it's appropriate, and I think that's been very useful. Well, it sounds like, including myself, everybody would love to have a person like you as their doctor, maybe not at the moment because none of us want to end up in the ICU of a COVID ward or any ICU for that matter, I'm sure. Uh, but it would certainly be fun to have a doctor like yourself that can fake it when you're really not doing too well with the look on their face but also <laughs> crack a few, a few jokes here and then because it is, it is a... Um, a scary time for many people being in the hospital. So I certainly is for me. No one likes their hospital visit. Um, That's right, yeah. Other than when you're visiting someone getting better. That's right. After your studies, you went on to an internship at Princess Alexandra Hospital in Brisbane. What was involved in uh, the internship? Yeah, so with regards to internship, that's the first year um, of training for us um, doctors after we graduate from medical school. Um, and essentially, we all have to do five terms in Australia. Um, and at Princess Alexandra Hospital, I was fortunate enough to do um, orthopedic spinal surgery, uh, geriatric medicine, cardiology, uh, psychiatry, um, as well as emergency medicine. Um, so we rotate throughout each of those terms, each roughly around 10 weeks in duration, uh, where we have different supervisors and a different team that we work with. Um, everyone has a mandatory um, surgical, medical and emergency term, and then we get an option of choosing the other two terms. So apart from those three mandatory terms, that's where I had psychiatry um, as well as um, uh, cardiology. So that was um, a great year for me. And I think stepping outside from the comfort zone, from being in the luscious, uh, the, the luxurious environment of North Queensland um, with very chilled environment and beaches to stepping up to the city. Um, but um, having said that, Queensland in general, is it's it's pretty um, um, chilled overall. And it was nice just to see, see how um, Brisbane was with regards to what it could offer. Whilst I was there, I basically um, tried to get myself involved in the Resident Medical Officers Association um, to contribute to um, monthly meetings about what could be done to improve hospital practices. Um, and I think that was quite good where we were able to make some programs for the incoming new interns for the year later on. And whilst I was there, I also was involved in a lot of teaching as well, um, delivering face-to-face uh, -face teaching sessions to um, fourth-year final medical students from University of Queensland. Um, and I also um, organised a mock um, a practical examination for them as well. So it was nice to sort of balance out, I guess, my um, working intern life with other pursuits such as teaching and mentoring. Um, and outside of that, I also made sure that I um, kept myself well balanced and played a lot of indoor cricket, um, soccer and, and tennis as well. So it was a good year overall, but I guess eventually it was nice and to come back to Sydney because that's where family was. Um, and after being out side for seven years including medical school and internship it was nice to come back to Sydney. It's a big um, commitment to become a doctor and uh, I certainly admire the work that you've put in and I remember at judging 
You won, of course, the Western Sydney University Academic Achievement Award for obvious reasons. But to win the Seven Years Young Achiever of the Year Award is a really extraordinary effort. And it was because of your significant additional community contribution, your broad reaching activity base, your skills and the things that you involved yourself with were really fabulous. And the judging panel absolutely loved you as a human being uh, as much as what you do uh, in terms of being successful in your profession. So congratulations for all that. I You certainly give back and we're getting a terrific sense of that on the podcast today. You uh, undertook a year of, or more of internal medicine at Dubbo Base Hospital, which you talked about earlier. Is it one year only or has that been extended? And I know that is a really gruelling job. So can you, are there any highs and lows other than the things that you've talked about, which I know we've covered off a bit on during your time at Dubbo Base Hospital? Yeah, that's a good question, Jeff. Uh, with regards to internal medicine um, that I'm doing at Dubbo Base Hospital, um, it's for the 12 months of this year. Um, and then following that, I go to Royal Prince Alfred Hospital in Sydney to complete cardiology advanced training. Um, and then the plan is to come back actually to Dubbo to complete another six months of internal medicine at Dubbo Base Hospital and ultimately finish with a dual training um, uh, fellowship in both internal medicine as well as cardiology. Um, in terms of the year that I've had this year at Dubbo, it's been fantastic. As I said, at the beginning of the year, I was doing general medicine and now for the latter six months of the year, I'm emerged, sorry, um, immersed in intensive care medicine. Um, it's been it's been fantastic. I think um, having done medical schooling in Townsville, where you're exposed to a lot of regional and rural medicine right from the get-go, and then coming out here to Dubbo Base Hospital, where you are also exposed to a lot of regional um, and rural medicine and interactions with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander populations. I think it's very important as a junior doctor like myself going up to get that experience early to understand the challenges that uh, that we um, obviously need to think about when we encounter such populations to try and get them to a good quality of life, similar to our counterparts um, in the Caucasian communities. Um, and I think to do that, you need to be present in that community to understand their social demographics, their interactions, their cultural perceptions. Um, and I think that's been fantastic the whole year. Um, also, the Dubbo Base Hospital, whilst it's sort of in the heart of Western New South Wales, it serves a massive catchment area. Um, and um, even though it's sort of in regional Australia, it is very, very busy. And so um, that's the gruelling part of it where you basically, um, uh, you know, you can work up, up to significant, uh, you can work up to, uh, you can work a lot of hours during the day, but it is very, very rewarding because the the changes that you make in these um, uh, people that present to hospital, the effect ripples on into the community. And that's the best part of it, where you, you follow up these patients in the clinic a couple of months later after they've left hospital and you see the dramatic impact and you're able to be even more proactive in making those changes. Um, we have a lot of interaction with community um, healthcare workers, including 
doctors, Aboriginal liaison officers, social workers. And so the multidisciplinary team environment is even more important here um, in Dubbo Base Hospital. Um, and I guess the fun part of it is ba- has been the, um, the team. The team and the atmosphere here is just amazing. They're, they're all legendary to work with um, right from day one when I was here back two years ago um, in 2019 as a basic physician trainee from Royal Prince Alfred Hospital where we rotate out to Dubbo Base Hospital. Um, that, that's what sort of um, made me realise that this is an amazing place to work with, work at. And it's, it's a place that I would definitely um, be happy to work at in the future as well. Very cool. In 2020, you were named the Australian Medical Association New South Wales Registrar, Registrar of the Year. What was that award for? What, what did it encompass? Yeah. Uh, so with, with that award, Jeff, it essentially encompassed uh, several categories, including um, uh, a doctor in training who is uh, very invested in um, advocacy, mentoring, teaching, um, community support, um, as well as being a prominent member in the clinical environment for both juniors as well as seniors um, and demonstrated excellence in those fields. So it was a culmination of all those facets um, that the award um, looked into. I have to say I'm very lucky, just like I was um, two years ago when I won the um, Seven News Young Achiever Awards to get this award as well because, as you as you can imagine, there are a lot of well-deserving um, candidates who, who obviously um, can get recognition from this award. But, again, just like the Young Achievers Award, this award just propelled me to continue giving back to the community um, and doing what I do, I guess, to the best of my ability. So it was an award that was... I guess, fiercely fought out in, in New South Wales. Um, and then again, following a judging panel, um, judging expert panel, they came to the decision I had wanted. But again, to my very uh, good surprise. Fantastic. Well, it's a, an industry award, so that's always exceptional. The Young Achievers, of course, the statewide award, which is equally as exceptional for different reasons and I guess different values. How do you remember everything, all the things that you've studied over years and years, the things that you've done, that you're doing and that you want to do? How do you retain this? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I guess, look, uh, re- remembering, remembering back to, to medical school, one of the ways that I used to study, uh, Jeff, was to create mind maps on the whiteboard. Um, with medicine, as you can imagine, it's very very informative and there are a lot of books out there and it's near impossible to basically go and read every single book because otherwise you won't have a life but it's it's important to i guess um categorize what you're learning create the mind maps and try and create links um between things you've learned so even when i was in second year for example if there are topics that were um, covered in first year that I remembered, I made sure that I, I drew links. And I did that every single year right throughout all the way to the final year, which was sixth year of medical school. Um, and then during my years of training as a doctor, I guess you don't obviously have a, a lot of theoretical knowledge that you used to have back in the six years of medicine, but you learn so much on the job. And for me, I'm a visual learner. And so um, people that I see, uh, for example, with pneumonia, um, I'll remember how they look from the end of the bed. I'll remember their clinical signs better than I would from reading a textbook on what the findings are for someone who has a pneumonia. So I'm someone that learns a lot from the patients in front of me. And I think that's something that I try and convey to junior doctors and medical students as well, 
to learn from actually seeing patients rather than reading textbooks, because patients obviously don't read textbooks and every patient with a pneumonia could be potentially different. So it's about seeing as many patients as you can and getting as much experience managing the same situation in every single patient, which is different, and tailoring your treatment, therefore, to the individual that you're looking at. Um, I still wouldn't say that I have a full grasp of all the medicine that I need to know, and I'm still learning. And that another that's another thing as to why I enjoy medicine, because you're always learning something every single day you go. But I guess in terms of retaining the information, it's um, just based on, on on the patients that I've seen. And I guess more more the intrigue and passion of wanting to know about things that I have never seen before. And if, if I do encounter something like that in the clinical atmosphere, I make sure that I speak to my mentors and seniors about it and ask them for their advice or look into resources online um, for medicine um, and, and those topics to try and make sure that I get my head around it and look at the latest evidence as well, because obviously um, medicine's an ever-changing evidence-based field and it's important to keep up to date with the latest research. So it's a combination of those things that sort of help me, I guess, retain um, you know, information. And after a while, it's important just to know, you know, what's common with regards to patients and what's serious, because those are the things you can alter immediately. And obviously the small intricacies and details, which may not be, you know, important in the grand scheme of things, you can obviously read up or talk to your seniors to get the nuts and bolts of, but it's a constantly, you know, dynamic atmosphere and you're learning as you go every day. Yeah, 100%. And I guess it's like the good doctor on Channel 7. There's a little plug for Channel 7. Uh, I really enjoy that show. When you don't know or you're not 100% sure, I guess you go to the books or, as you said, to your seniors for advice because they've had the experience previously. That's right, Jeff. And I think that's one of the, the probably most important qualities of a doctor, I would say, is to acknowledge your your limits and boundaries and know when you don't know what you don't know and to be able to ask for help because you're dealing with people's lives here and it's important not to be a superhero but rather be competent and safe but know when you've le- reached your limit of what you can do and your boundary and ask for help when that's necessary. And I think that's the key. It must be hard because like uh, all people in all situations, it's about knowing, being confident enough to make decisions but at the same time uh, being confident enough to ask for help when you need it as well. But yours just happens to be a little more life and death on occasions than than the accountant mates uh, that you were referring to earlier on. That's right. Although, you know, we all see the um, said tongue-in-cheek, the tax return being right uh, as a little bit life and death sometimes as well. Yeah. (laughs) Looking back, it must have been a bit of a thrill and such a validation of your hard work and those of all of the medical fraternity, and for the long hours to win the 2019 Western Sydney University Academic Achievement Award. Yeah, that that was definitely um, uh, a, a great memory for me. Back from 2019, um, I still remember coming um, to the awards night, um, which was very, very nice and decorated, um, and I, I remember coming with my family just trying to um, encompass the the atmosphere of being a finalist, which which was amazing, um, you know, in such a amazing pool of candidates. And then to be, you know, informed that you have won that category was was mind-blowing um, for me at the time. And I still remember my reaction. Um, I think that was just one of awe and shock because I didn't honestly think that I was going to be a winner for that category. So 
I guess looking back and I remember when delivering the speech at the time, um, Jeff, I guess you do think back to, you know, what got you to where you, you were. And, you know, obviously, um, as with a lot of these awards in every single category, there's a lot of commitment, sacrifice and dedication. But at the same time, I think for myself, I think it's been the support of my um, family as well, who've been there sort of right from the get go and um, supported me in whatever decision that I've taken, I guess, to get to where I am. Um, but after that, I think it just comes down to sort of motivational and personal desires to do what you want to do. And that stems from obviously your experiences in life, not just in um, academic feats, but also, like you said, community and co-curricular feats as well. Um, and then, um, you know, to then go on and get the, the final award, I was just mind blown because, again, there were so many very well-deserving candidates who could have easily taken that award. Um, and I think to be recognised was very, very um, honourable that day. Yeah. And I think you're right. To be very good, you need to, and I know you weren't referring to yourself, but uh, I'm paraphrasing. To be very good, it comes down to character and values and commitments beyond your ability often. So, you know, it's a lesson there for everybody, isn't it? Just have a go at what you want to do in life, but be committed and really work hard and um, don't make it just about yourself because the greatest blessings we get in life are by giving to others. So if you don't do that in your job, reach out and do it in other ways and you'll find real satisfaction in that. We're certainly blessed, similar to you here at Awards Australia, to be able to make a difference in people's lives, certainly in a different mm. way. But every single day we get up with a purpose to make a difference and help others to do what they do better and reach out and achieve even greater things in terms of connecting with people and supporting others. Would you encourage people to nominate someone else? Of course, nominations are currently open for the Seven Years Young Achiever Awards right now. What's the reason that you suggest someone to take the time to nominate someone or give us a call and let us know about someone that should be nominated? Yeah. Yeah, as you, as you said, Jeff, um, you know, you, Annette, and the wonderful team at Seven News uh, Young Achiever Awards and Awards Australia do such a phenomenal job. And, and you said it perfectly yourself. You're making changes to people's lives every day in a different way, you know, to, for example, who, how I am and maybe a fellow accountant is. And I think um, I've just seen that from 2019 when I really got to know about the awards to, you know, every single year that, that has um, carried on from there, that your company and, and I guess, what you stand for has just grown um, um, immensely. And I think it's wonderful to actually see the talent. And I remember being invited to be an expert panel judge member back in 2020 and just seeing the, the wonderful breadth of talent and also, um, you know, the great things so many young individuals in Australia are doing for their communities in different shapes, way or forms. It was just very, very humbling um, to sort of be aware of all that. And I think it is very important that people do go out there and nominate people because it's important to not only, I guess, celebrate the successes and commitment of individuals and groups that have obviously done the hard yards and sacrificed so much of their time to do what they can for the best of the community, but also to motivate and inspire other young Australian leaders to become up and up to become upcoming individuals who also may 
be able to give back in significant amounts, not only on a national basis, but also on an international basis, as we saw with some of our, you know, award finalists and recipients in the years gone by. Um, and I think it, you guys do a fantastic job um, making that such a, a wonderful um, journey, I guess, and process, um, you know, welcoming absolutely everyone with regards to nominations, you know, going out on multiple social media platforms to invite people to, you know, put in their nomination and celebrate successes of young individuals. And I think it really does make a significant effect, especially for those out from, you know, regional and rural places as well, where they're in smaller communities, where they're able to take out, you know, um, what they're doing uh, to regional places where they're able to make a lot more profound differences was what I was trying to get at. So I think if I was you to the listener out there at the moment, if you do know, obviously, a young, inspiring leader or achiever out there, I would make sure that you log into Awards Australia and, um, you know, nominate someone or even nominate yourself um, because obviously it's something that can make a significant difference to yourself, to your family, to your community, and also inspire those around you as well. Could not have said it better myself. And I have to say a big thank you. It's a real privilege when people like yourself stay connected. You're often commenting on our posts, uh, encouraging people to nominate or get behind whatever it is we're promoting, liking our uh, pages and our uh, posts. Thanks for that. Really appreciate it. Tonight, it was such an honour to have you on the judging panel, as you said, in 2020, the year after you'd won your award. And we always invite our Young Achiever of the Year back. I think it's a lovely tribute to them, but also a good way for them to be involved and see what's going on in the community. Plus, understand the process Anybody who has any doubt about the validity of the process, uh, we invite media onto the panel. We have community leaders, business leaders, young people, all sorts. We have try to get a cross-section of people who are well represented across the broad spectrum so that everybody is, uh, is represented. Thus interrupting this week's dose of inspiration to remind you about the awards membership. It's a way that people can support the community champions who win the awards that are that we run here at Awards Australia and uh, they're inspirational Australians just like the people featured on this podcast. So one of the benefits of being an awards member other than uh, supporting these awesome people is we give you a shout out on the podcast, on our quarterly newsletter and a few other cool things too. So for this week's shout-out, I want to welcome four new members, four new awesome people like Craig Scott from Goodwood Saints Football Club, Bronwyn Blake from Bass Valley Hemp Farm, Rebecca Paris from Australian Native Food Company, and David McDonald from Community Care and Transport. Now, these are four awesome organisations, the Goodwood Saints Footy Club. I know about them. They're a huge supporter of mental health, and they go beyond just participating in a mental health round as part of their local league. They get right behind mental health and help all of their staff and their players, which is beautiful. Bass Valley Hemp Farm and Australian Native Food Co, two awesome businesses. I encourage you to check them out, providing Australian produce and just really cool, tasty stuff. And Community Care and Transport, who help thousands of elderly people each year uh, live their lives in dignity and see family and get to their health appointments when they don't have access to transport. So four awesome awards members, thanks for your support. Head to awardsaustralia.com slash shop to find out how you can become an awards member. And now, back to the podcast. Did winning the awards help you 
and your work at all. I guess what you do can't be helped by promotion in terms of helping people, but has it helped you in any way or form? Yeah, I think when I look back to to, to the awards, um, Jeff, I think it was just more a statement of, you know, satisfaction and commitment that the work that I'm doing is obviously making a difference to the people that I'm delivering the, the work to. In other words, as a doctor, obviously delivering that health care, um, you know, to individuals, um, families is obviously very satisfying. And I think the awards have propelled me to continue doing that, um, I guess, to the best of my ability. Interestingly, when people have asked me about um, the awards as well in general and in terms of, you know, I guess, what it's done, I think it just it just demonstrated what you were saying before that, you know, regardless of dedication, talent and ambition, a lot of it does come down to character, your character and your values and, you know, your honest commitment to to doing whatever that may be, regardless of whatever field that may be in. That's that's the way that I've thought about how the awards have helped me to sort of stay true to my character, to not change, um, you know, um, and become, you know, money greedy or change the the, the way I practice or the, the way I live my life um, because it was, a, I guess, a, a testament to what I've been doing to this day and that I therefore shouldn't change with recognition or with anything else like that. Um, and I think for me that was very important because it just solidified, I guess, what, 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 what I'm doing is probably the right thing at the moment and I want to continue to do that to the best of my ability. Perfect. You must get tired and feel the daily pressure build up in your role how do you stay motivated and how do you recharge? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. You know, as I said, even whilst I'm at work, when I can use the odd bit of humour, I do try and do that <laughs> because that's a, that's a nice way to sort of, uh, you know, dampen down the intensity of the situation, I guess, in a way. I also um, um, have a very good uh, relationship with my colleagues, um, medical, nursing and allied health. Um, staff generally in all in all the hospitals I've worked with um, as, as you can imagine I'm pretty easygoing and affable and therefore I'm able to make good friendships quite quickly and also lasting as well so that's something that's very important especially as I said we work in teams looking after very very sick patients and so it's important to um, you know be there for each other look out for each other and and, and work harmoniously despite all that it is pretty intense and um, draining and taxing as you were saying uh, Jeff but I think that's when you've got to remind yourself that, you know, you're there for a particular reason and you're there to try and help the people improve. And even if patients, for example, are um, irate or frustrated about their healthcare journey or how they are, we just have to think that it's because of the illness that they're obviously portraying the frustra- frustration, but rather we need to try and ensure that we do the best of and ensure that we do the best we can to try and improve where they are, their, their situation and get them to obviously feeling a lot better and obviously not frustrated with how their journey is. Um, outside of hospital, I guess I do recharge. Um, I um, hang out with family and friends, go out with friends, play PlayStation <laughs> quite a bit still. So there's the immature side of me still going ahead. <laughs> um, play, play some sports, um, watch a lot of movies, because you got to you got to keep yourself well balanced. Otherwise, you you get um, you know emotionally too drained, and you're not able to recharge every single day. You're there. You're you're, at, you're you're there at work. You're right. Like like everything in life and every job, you you do need to have a good balance both inside the workplace, but also outside. Alrighty, another question without notice. What's your favorite movie? Favorite movie. Um, it's a good one. Probably The Lion King. <laughs> Lion King. <laughs> 
yeah, I think I, I remember watching it a lot when I was um, trying to portray the lion in the lion, the witch in the wardrobe. Yeah, um, I was going to say you got a, a lion fetish, I think. That, that's right. I think I got a lion fetish. <laughs> I've even got a lion in, in my um, in my room is is one of the um, paintings as well. So, must. <laughs> yeah. That might um, that might uh, answer the next question. Uh, that I was going to ask you, and that's what something we might not know about you. But <laughs> <laughs> I've got a lion fetish. <laughs> <laughs> I should say uh, what something else. We might yeah. not know about you. Um, I think, like I, I probably alluded to it before, Jeff. But um, one of the things, like I said, if I if I was to ever give up medicine, I would uh, go back into acting, um, as I do quite enjoy that. And something that I'd like to obviously get. Um, involved in is actually starting a speech and drama academy um, and potentially some productions from there onwards as well when I get a bit more time and I finish my final sort of training um, because that's something that I quite enjoy um, and it also encompasses of what, I, what I've done in the past as well and again it's a way of giving back so that's something that I'd like to probably do. Well, well stay tuned maybe we should get your autograph now so when you're famous movie megastar or lion actor, we um, will have your have your uh, autograph already before it becomes too expensive to get. Mate, some um, you sort of talked to us about the next couple of steps. Where do you see yourself in five or ten years' time? Yeah, I think in in five or ten years' time, I think um, I probably can see myself working out at um, Dubbo Base Hospital. It's something that, like I said, it's a place that I really enjoyed working at and uh, and the team and the environment there are just electric. Um, and, and to do what I want to do, which is ca- a combination of cardiology as well as general medicine and serve regional areas um, would be something that would be very gratifying and satisfying for me, something that, you know, would keep um, in alignment with my values of why I did medicine in the first place. So that's probably where I see myself, I guess, from a, um, a clinical perspective. I'd also want to make sure that I've done a, um, a PhD as well in an area of interest that's stemming from my cardiology advanced training. So that's something that I would have hoped to have done in the next five years' time. Um, and then outside of that, um, I guess I'd like to be um, married <laughs> and also um, travel, especially with the re- relaxation of restrictions. Hopefully, you know, with time, it would be nice to obviously, um, you know, travel just like we used to back in the day pre-COVID era. Um, because I, I do very much enjoy travel, and that's something I'd like to do as well, in addition to obviously the, the working pursuits. Fantastic. Uh, and then, well, you've, oh, sorry. you've got a, a long one, list there. One last, time, yeah, one last thing was, um, I guess, after, after I'm sort of set up in, in regional and rural Australia, I'd like to obviously um, help sort of international communities of need as well through um, foundations such as Medicine Sans Frontiers um, and other sort of charity organisations because that's also been something that I've, um, you know, equally been keen on as well throughout my medical journey thus far. Sounds uh, very meritorious and I wish you well with all of those things. What do you think the world needs more of right now? Uh, I guess it's a, it's a timely question at the moment and, again, I have to obviously point back towards the COVID-19 pandemic. But one of the issues that we do face in Australia, I think at the moment, especially from a healthcare perspective, is the bed situation and resources. Um, if we were to have another absolute outbreak, um, you know, coming out from COVID-19, um, I think we would be very, very stretched. Um, even with Australia being a very developed nation and having resources 
I think we were all stretched just just recently in the last few months, whether we were in New South Wales, um, you know, Victoria or elsewhere in Australia with regards to our numbers and our ability to take care of patients who needed intensive care level support. Um, and I think um, beds, resources and staffing would be something that we would obviously need to look into. But the other thing that I think is important to reflect back upon is mental health. And the reason I say this is, um, unfortunately, a lot of presentations, which were very tragic and sad in the last few months, even at Dubbo Base Hospital, and I know for a fact also in other hospitals in, in Sydney and Victoria, were mental health presentations, um, a rippling effect of the lockdown and, and being socially isolated and not being able to reach out for, for support to family and friends. And it's something that we need to pay a lot more attention to. I think hopefully with the relaxation of the restrictions, things would slowly improve. But I guess it's just a message to any listener out there to make sure that, you know, you're not there alone and, you know, it's important to to reach out and you're not weak to, to reach out, but it's important and it's a sign of strength to show vulnerability and ask for help and get that support from family and friends, especially as we move on, um, you know, in this sort of pandemic. Yeah, terrific advice. Do you have any other words of wisdom or a piece of advice that uh, you could leave with our listeners? I guess just looking back on sort of my journey to date, even though it's obviously very early on, I would say nothing is impossible if you put your mind to it and your strongest weapon is your self-belief and your willingness to try regardless of the outcome. Um, I think that's what got me to where I am right now and it's something that I think about every single time I engage um, in anything that I do, um, whether that's work-related or life-related. And I, I feel that it comes down to, um, you know, your, your personality and your desire to push push the, the boundaries and, and move outside your comfort zone, but in a meaningful manner. Awesome advice. Uh, advice that would work for anybody in any situation. So I love that. Benosh, where can listeners connect with you online to find out more about you or your work and maybe to gain some more insightful information? Yeah, so I'm more than happy for, for listeners to connect with me online um, via email um, at anosh um, underscore siva at yahoo.com, via Facebook, um, via my Instagram, via um, LinkedIn. So there's plenty of profile uh, online social media platforms that I've engaged in that I'm more than happy for listeners to um, get in contact with me and talk about anything. And the show notes uh, will be out shortly too with your um, with your podcast when it's released so people will be able to find connection options there as well. And Ash, it's been a real pleasure talking with you. It's been an inspiration. You're amazing. You do so much. You give so much. You work so hard, yet you're still smiling. You still like to crack a joke. You still like to dress up as a lion. I, I said that. That wasn't that wasn't out of Anosh's mouth. You're a truly humble community champion. It makes a real difference in the lives of so many. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Uh, I'm really thankful for all you do, as is so many. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Jeff and Annette, for getting me on this podcast today. I think it's been very, very nice sharing my journey with you all. And I wish you both and Awards Australia the very best in years to come. And I sincerely hope it keeps growing more and more. And I encourage any listener out there to make sure you get um, onto nominating someone or yourself 
as you guys could be the next young achiever of the year. Oh, perfectly said. And the awards are still open, so people can still nominate. And you referred to Annette again, of course, who's our extraordinary producer and a director at Awards Australia. And she does an enormous job heading up our operations. But we also run the Community Achievement Awards, which are an extraordinary program, recognising a little older Australians generally than the young people under 30. But it's been a real pleasure, and Anosh. Thanks so much. And I hope everybody has enjoyed the chat with Anosh as much as I have. And until next week, stay safe, be kind, and keep inspiring because together we make a difference. I hope you enjoyed today's interview as much as I have. We would love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you won't miss an episode. Join us each week as we talk with ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. Did you know that Awards Australia is a family-owned business that proudly makes a difference in the lives of those that make a difference for others? And we thank our corporate and not-for-profit partners for making our award programs possible. Do you know someone that's making a difference? Or maybe your business might like to sponsor an award. Contact us through our Instagram page, inspirational.australians, or head to our website, awardsaustralia.com. It would be great if you could share this episode with your network because who doesn't like a good news story? And please rate and review us. We would really love to hear your thoughts. Until next week, stay safe. And remember, together we make a difference. Thanks for joining us today on the Inspirational Australians podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and have been inspired by ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. So it's goodbye for another week. Remember, together we make a difference.